Good morning and welcome to Contact on Connect FM. I'm your host, Michael Clement. This morning on Contact, we're going to be diving into a very serious subject, a subject that affects everyone in our community, and that is drugs. They're destroying our way of life locally and destroying our lives, the lives of countless families in our area. Recently, the Dubois Police Chief Blaine Clark announced a special task force to fight this epidemic that's been plaguing our city. And on May 24th, it was announced that there was a big investigation with a huge drug bust of over $16,000. It's clear the city and our police are doing the best to fight this epidemic, but it's going to take the whole community to win this fight. And so my guest today is Justin Buchanan. And when we return, we'll be hearing a true story from our guest about hope and redemption, how a life of using and selling drugs can and absolutely has been turned around to help others who are in that same predicament. Contact on Connect, Connect FM is brought to you in part by our friends at Community County Services for local family-based mental health. Hi folks, are you having problems with your child at home? Is their behavior a problem? Are you at your wit's end? If so, call us for more information. Community County Services, we provide family-based mental health. Call for information at 371-8066. We work to help you keep your family together in a healthy way. Community County Services, 371-8066. Welcome back to Contact on Connect FM. I'm your host, Michael Clement. Very excited uh, this morning. This morning we're taking a look at a very serious subject, but it's exciting, of who's uh, live in studio with me this morning, Justin Buchanan. I met Justin about over a month ago as I started thinking about this series that we're going to be doing here on Contact and sat down and had lunch with him, and I was convinced that our community needs to hear his story. So welcome, Justin. Thank you. Uh, I grew up in Brockway. Uh, I was the oldest of four. Uh, I grew up and I seen things that a lot of kids shouldn't see at that age. So I grew up angry and going through school, I was doing a lot of fighting, getting suspended through school and uh, just really upset about life. Then I, I had a sister, it's a year younger than me and me and her were really close. So the time when we got to high school, uh, we started drinking a lot and just going to party after party after party, not taking, I didn't take nothing serious. The time I was in ninth grade, uh, I was at a party and a kid come up and asked me, you know, he's like, hey, snort this. And I'm like, what is it? He's like, it's Redland. So I did, uh, and I didn't think nothing of it, you know. Again, I was not very knowledgeable about drugs. I just knew it was a prescription drug and uh, just, kept on going from party to party and the same kid come up and another party he's like come here and I thought I was snorting Ritalin and uh I was snorting cocaine so again it it didn't hurt me at the time so I didn't think nothing nothing of it uh I knew my anger it was it was starting to get really out of control I was doing more drinking more partying and by the 10th 11th grade I knew I needed to I have some kind of discipline in my life. So my plans were to finish high school and uh, be a Marine. So my senior year, uh, that's what I was going to do. My parents were on vacation. Me and my oldest sister was right. Uh, we were at home. And what do you do in small towns when you graduate? We partied. 
Uh, I jumped on a four-wheeler, shattered my collarbone, and the Marines wasn't an option after that. So uh, I didn't have a plan B. That's where people don't understand. That was the only plan I had. So I had to go get a job. I got a job at the Walmart warehouse up in Woodland. Uh, again, I think I thought I was a lot smarter than other people. I went and got an interview. I thought, you know, I can take this. I took this brace off of my collarbone, and I thought, well, I got two interviews. That'll buy me four to six weeks. Well, I was hired within two weeks. So I was on pain medication, and uh, it's a really, really physical job. My collarbone never healed, so I had to get surgery, and I had to put a plate to connect it. And uh, it's, I was off for so much time. So I started picking up, again, back on the cocaine, and I actually started selling it to make money. And, again, I didn't think it was a big deal. I just thought it was life, I guess. And uh, I kept on doing that. You know, the time I turned 21, I was going to bars, being reckless. Uh, I remember going into a bar after work, and uh, I watched a guy hit his girlfriend. I instantly turned angry. And we went outside, we got in a fight, and I just kept on beating on this kid. Well, the girl I was sticking up for come up, and this is right downtown Brockway, held a gun to my head, said, if you don't get off him, you're gonna shoot him. So I got off him, I walked in the building, and I, I just sat down and thought, I thought, why weren't you scared? It wasn't I was, it's not that I was tough, it was just, at that a young age, I just didn't care. So uh, I kept on going through life, just back working and everything else, and at the uh, age of 22 years old, I met a woman, and she's the first person in my life I could be real with. I, I, I sat down and I talked to her and told her I didn't like to fight. I told her about some of my drug issues. And uh, it was really, really good because I didn't have to be a person that I wasn't. Mm. Like, I was, people thought I was the person when I really wasn't. I'm just, I was just hurting. So, again, I stopped doing all drugs and started living what people call normal life. And uh, life was good for a while. I, start, I picked up two jobs. I was working. And uh, we got married. I blew my shoulder out again from lifting, and I got back on the opiates. And I caught myself wanting more and wanting more and wanting more. Then I started abusing them. You know, when she was upstairs sleeping, I always thought, well, it ain't hurting her. She don't know. And uh, I remember her coming down January 2007 and said, Justin, you're going to be a father. Again, I, I thought I had control of everything. 
I thought, you know what? I got nine months to straighten my life out. I don't want my kid to go through anything I've been through. Nine months came September 30th, 2007, at the hospital. I got to hold my son for the first time. And I remember saying out loud, Lynn and I will never let nobody hurt you. I will protect you. But the inside, I'm begging someone to take this kid from me because I'm going to destroy his life. I just wanted somebody to stick up for a kid that has no control. And I couldn't. I, I wanted to be a better father, but I couldn't. And uh, my addiction started picking up really, really bad where I was working at the glass plant. And I'd work eight hours there. And I would go down to Pittsburgh and I'd bring drugs up here to sell them and to pick the, just to feed my addiction. And I wasn't spending much time at home. But again, I thought I'm still being a father because I'm providing for him. I'm doing what I can do. And uh, my sister kind of, the one I was real close to, steered away. And she's like, Justin, I can't be around you when you're doing this to yourself. And I, I instantly got mad, but Something changed in her life, and I didn't understand what changed in her life. She loved me, but she loved me from a distance. So I remember just being on a binge for a week where I'd barely home and everything else, and my wife at the time called me, and she said, Justin, come home. I need help with something. So I came home, and I walked to my living room, and everybody was there. And they started talking to me. They said, Justin, you need help. You're not going to live much longer if you don't go get help. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, I'm just on Suboxone at the time. You know what I mean? I'm on Subutex. And uh, they said, Justin, we can't continue to live like this. And I didn't understand. I'm thinking, live like what? I'm the one that's doing the drugs. It ain't hurting you. And uh, I have a younger brother. He's really quiet. And it was his time to speak. And he just broke down and said, Justin, I want my brother back. Mm. And it crushed me. It absolutely crushed me. And I said, I don't know where that guy went. He's gone. But I agreed to go get help that day. So I went upstairs and I started packing my stuff. And I went up to Pyramid in Altoona. And when I went to Pyramid, I didn't, I didn't have nothing. I didn't have a license. I didn't have nothing. So when I went up there, uh, I was broken. Uh, they couldn't wean me off the drugs, so I sat there for three days being dope sick. And again, your addiction thing, can I, I call it, I'm thinking, how can I get out of out of this place without them thinking I walked out? And uh, we're in just detox at the time, but I walked in a, a room and guy, a kid's talking about shooting up, instantly rage. I thought, right there is that big guy's my way out of here. So I started arguing with him and I said, "Listen, man, we all know what this place is. We're, we all did drugs." And we started arguing back and forth, and we went out to the hall. We we're gonna fight, and staff jumped all over me. And I said, I want to call my wife. 
and uh, if anybody knows anything, they put you on speakerphone. And I, I called her, and I said, hey, I said, I'm coming home. I said, I'm learning how to do more drugs in here than I am on the streets. She said, Justin, you don't have a home. You don't have a wife. You don't have a son. And to hear her say that, I knew instantly how bad I hurt her. And I knew my whole family was fed up with me. So I went back to my room, and I just sat there and cried. And I looked up, and I'm thinking, if there's a God, please, please help me, because I'm not going to do this on my own. And I kid you not, 10 minutes later, a lady walked in, and I'm still angry. And she goes, can I talk to you? I'm like, like I have a choice. This is your place. This is your place. She goes, Justin, pack your stuff. I'm like, you're kicking me out. She goes, no. She goes, uh, we're moving you up to Belfont in a house that's better. She goes, I see something in you. And instantly I thought, man, that could not have been God answering me in 10 minutes. But deep in my heart, I knew that was him. So I went up there, and I started enjoying it. Like we were playing sports and doing stuff, and uh, I started seeing flashbacks of the old Justin, like just doing things. And uh, I'll never forget, we had a meeting on the mountain, and we just sat there and talked and talked, and we come back, and I, I seen staff gather up in their office, and they called me in. And I had a grandma, a special woman, that loved me, knowing I was on drugs. And just loved me no matter what. Like, she was, she's the only person I respect with my whole heart. Uh, they said, your grandma's passed, Justin. And I didn't even know she was sick. So I remember going home for a funeral, and I just kind of, flipped out on my parents and I said my mother just died she was asking for me just to see me one last time but I couldn't see her because I was stuck in a rehab and I didn't make it through her funeral without music and I was back to work at the plant and I was just thinking again I was Instead of snorting them and injecting them, I was just eating them, thinking that's better. You know, I'm always trying to look for where it don't look so bad, but it's, it's all the same. So I went to, uh, I started working at the plant. My wife come down and she told me she was going to leave me. And we have split up many times, but I knew that time was the last time. She took my boy and she walked out. And I had a best friend that I loved like a brother. And I was working midnight day and she asked, he, he called me and he's like, Justin, can I come talk to you? And I said, no. And I said, you can't come talk to me. And I said, he's like, please, can I come talk to you? I said, I'm thinking, I'm working. I just caught off. It's 8 in the morning. I'm going to bed no matter what. So I said, yeah, come up. I said, I'll be upstairs sleeping, watching Sports Center. I said, come up. The door flung up. He jumped on the other side of my bed. We watched Sports Center together. We both fell asleep. And uh, we woke up. And I said, what's going on, buddy? He's like, I just want you to know I miss you. And I love you. 
I said, buddy, I'll always love you. You're not my friend. You're my brother. You'll always be my brother. But I, I want my family back. I'm destroying everybody around me, and I can't do nothing about it. He left. I went to work that night. I got off at 8 o'clock at my sister. She started calling me right at 8 o'clock, blowing my phone up. I said, Justin, meet me at Sheets. Meet me at Sheets. Meet me at Sheets. I'm like, and she had two little ones at the time. She And she wouldn't tell me why or nothing. And she's like, I need to get coffee, and I don't want to take the two kids and anything. When I went to Sheets, people swarmed me. And I thought, wow, they found out I was back using again. I'm going back to rehab. And my sister said, Justin, I'm sorry. He took his life an hour ago. <laughs> and that just crushed me because I'm thinking, <laughs> my grandma was asking for me. I let her down. I let my son down. I let my wife down. And I let my best friend down. And that's all on me and I can't do nothing about it no more. So I got reckless real quick. I started running to Pittsburgh almost every day, every other day, making drug deals, bringing them back, not caring if I was living or dying. I've been robbed many times down in Pittsburgh. Uh, and I was, even the cops in Brockway, they knew I was using. I mean, I was wrecking my car every other day. And I remember it, it doesn't matter anymore. I ended up losing my job at the glass plant. Ended up moving back, and I ended up living in my parents' basement. And my dad was a hard guy. Uh, I'd never seen him break down too many times. But my parents knew I didn't have much longer. I remember coming down. My dad woke me up, and I'm sitting there. And he's like, Justin, please don't kill yourself. He's like... I love you. He's like, please don't do this. And I looked up at him. I said, Dad, that's too late. I just want you to do me one favor. Just tell Landon I love them. Tell him I'm sorry that I couldn't be the father that he deserves, but he don't deserve a father like this. And that day when my parent, my father left to go to work, I sat down with a pencil and paper, and I just wrote, Dear Landon, can you, how do you explain to a kid you took your life because, I mean, you can't explain that. Like, I showed you don't love them if you take your life, but I'm going to destroy them too. So I could not take my own life, but I knew people down in Pittsburgh that wanted to. I remember in addiction, when addiction people don't understand, you do things that you would never do in your life. I would go to the projects not knowing anybody there, I'd not go to the door to door to door. Hey, do you got any oxys? Do you got any heroin? Do you have anywhere I can find drugs? And uh, some people answered. Some people were your, you know. So one day I was up there, and uh, I got robbed. And I chased this kid three blocks, and I come around the projects, and there was five guys there waiting for me and I walked right towards them two of them pulled guns out and I walked right towards them still I'm like please do this 
you don't understand. You're doing me a favor. Please, please. And uh, they didn't. And, I mean, as reckless as I was, I'm like, I still got $500 in my pocket. I'm like, bring your bring the one that ripped me off. And I said, we'll fight. And if I win, you can have the $500. They let me walk. That night, I went home. And I overdosed. And I ended up just continuing to use. Like, there was no working no more. There was no nothing. I was living in a basement and waking up and looking for drugs. Yes, and I think this story is very compelling. And I think, obviously, we're going to have to do a do a second interview as well with you. And what I'm... What I want to focus on just for a minute is we've got about four minutes left, but when we return, we're going to follow up with uh, where you are today and what you're doing to help people. Um, This is a wonderful story, and we thank you for having the courage to come on and share what happens when you use drugs. Uh, Contact on Connect FM is brought to you in part by our friends at Community County Services for local family-based mental health. Each day in Pennsylvania, there's at least 15,000 children taken from their homes due to abuse or neglect. Foster parents provide homes to these needy children. Lifespan Family Services trains, supports, and compensates foster parents to address this problem. Call Lifespan Family Services today at 375-1314 or drop in at the Dubois Mall or at Lane Avenue in Punxsutawney. Lifespan Family Services, helping people help children every day. 375-1314. Welcome back to Contact on Connect FM. I'm your host, Michael Clement. I'm live with Justin Buchanan, who's giving us a real-life story of what it's like to use and sell drugs in our local community and how it's affected his life and the life of everyone around him. I mean, you're giving us real details about the dangers and the real-life effects that drugs have, not just on you. Like, you thought originally, like, hey, it's just me. But you were destroying lives, and lives even of people you didn't even know, their lives were being destroyed at some level, whether it's the people you work with at the plant or how it affects our local community. You were bringing drugs into our city from Pittsburgh and elsewhere, but lots of lives were affected. So we're actually going to do something different. We're just going to continue on. Uh, we're going to continue this interview because it's so important for our community. So let's just pick up where you left off. You were with some guys who were about to do some real harm to you. So they let me walk, and uh, I overdosed that night. Uh, I'll never forget. I was at the house. I went to the bathroom, snorted. I felt completely there. I laid there. I knew what time it was there. I laid on that floor for 12 hours till I woke back up. Uh Again, and I just thought, in my heart, I was kind of upset when I woke up because I just didn't know, you know, I didn't want to live. Then I had my sister. Uh, she called me up, and she lives in Brockway, and uh, she's like, Justin, can we talk? And she's like, I'm moving out of this town. And I said, why? And she goes, I can't live in the same town. My, bro- my brother's going to die. I'm like, Tanya, it's not that bad. She goes, Justin, it is that bad. And she goes, Justin, will you go get help, please? And she mentioned this place called Teen Challenge. And at that time, I just started laughing at her. I said, I'm 35 years old. I am not going to a place called Teen Challenge. <laughs> right. I said, no. And again, she, we kept on talking, and I could see how 
hurt she was, and she was my number one support. And uh, I said, I'll tell you what, Tanya, I said, let me watch my son wrestle. And this was, this was November, and he had a tournament in December. I said, I will go again. It's supposed to be a year program. I said, I'll go for 30 days, making my own rules up. So I called him, Teen Challenge. I said, I'll be up 30 days. And my sister said, yeah, I believe if he said he's going to be up, he'll be up. He wouldn't tell me that because he's told me many times no. So in between that, uh, I started using different drugs. I was uh, on Xanax. And, I mean, you mix Xanax with anything. It's twice as potent. And uh, my mama, she loves me a lot. She she really does. But, you know, she's seen me cry many times, and she always said, Justin, you ain't as bad as people say. And I think she was just, I mean, that's probably what she shouldn't have said, but I know she just probably didn't, probably didn't want to live up. You know, it probably hurt her, too, saying stuff like that. So I... Uh, I remember coming back and eating a bunch of Xanax and I collapsed right in the door, her doorway. And my mom would start crying. She's like, Justin, she's like, you need help. She's like, you really need help. She's like, you're not going to live much longer. She's like, and my mom's never said that to me ever. She's always telling me it's not as bad as what people are thinking it is. And when I seen her cry, it hurt me. And I said, I'll be okay, Mom. Then uh, in between that wrestling tournament, it was a New Year's, and I only had two good friends that weren't doing drugs, and they invited me over to their house in New Year's. And I'm sitting there thinking, I believe in God 100%, but I'm like, why would he use a person like me when he showed me how real he was? Hmm. I walked away just like it did everybody else. I, I hurt him just like I hurt my family. So I said, why would he give me a second chance? And I, and I remember it's been months, maybe even a year since the first time. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, I said, I don't know what this teen challenge thing is about, but please let me know if I'm supposed to be there. I woke up the next day. It was nice and clear that I was going to Teen Challenge. Did I want to go? No, but I knew that's what was going to happen. So I called my sister, and uh, I said, we're going to Teen Challenge. And I didn't know what even Teen Challenge was about. It was January 10th, 2016. I went up there, and uh, I'll never forget Youngstown, Ohio. I went up there, and... Uh, my sister Tanya says, uh, we go up there and it's an old band in hospital. And I said, Tanya, this don't look too too nice. And she goes, well, Justin, let me tell you something. You're not going on vacation. You're going to get help. <laughs> Fair enough. So I went up there. I went to this hospital. Well, the hospital, I went up there and I, they put me on the floor and people come up and start hugging me and, you know, tell them they care about me. I'm thinking, these guys are weird. They don't even know who I am. They don't know my name, nothing. All I knew... I didn't know nothing about the program, but I knew for the first time in my life, I wasn't going to try to fit in with anybody. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I just knew I have a son that's counting on me. So I went up there, and I wouldn't interact with anybody. Like, Teen Challenge is like a military, but it's faith-based. Uh, 
your feet will hit the floor at six o'clock. You're working till three o'clock. Then you're going to classes, classes, classes. So I was lost when I started unpacking myself, my suitcase and that. My sister put a Bible on the back of the suitcase. I'm like, what is this about? And uh, I found out real quick, it's military boot camp. And uh, it's, but it's Christian boot camp instead. And uh, I didn't talk to nobody. And we have Devos. And this is a month into the program. And I'm sitting there just first thing, 7.38 in the morning. And I'm reading the book of John. I didn't understand the Bible at all. And I came to John 10.27. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. They know who I am. No one can snatch him out of my hands. And I looked at him thinking he was always there. That's why I'm here today because he never left me. I walked away from him, but he was right there the whole time. So I remember going to the altar just bawling, thinking, God, I'm so sorry for walking away from you. I'm so sorry for destroying the people around me. I didn't realize it was this bad. I begged him. I'm like, please give me a second chance. I'm telling you, if if I can get through this, I work for you now. I left that altar, and I felt like a thousand pounds left my shoulders that day. And that's all I did is read the Bible the whole time. Uh, it was hard. Like I said, we worked nonstop. I worked at all the Steeler games. I worked at the Indy 500. And me and my sister had a plan. First, I said I was going to stay up there for four months and six months. So I was up there, and my sister owns a furniture store, North Crate here in Dubois. And she's like, Justin, I'm going to use you for a salesperson. I started laughing. I said, I don't know how to sell nothing besides drugs. And I'm not doing that no more. And uh, my family was very supportive of me. Uh, they come and see me every three months. I mean, every month for three hours. And uh, I realized I was loved. Uh, so almost seven months in, my sister come pick me up. And we had a show down in Pittsburgh. I'm like, this is, you know, this is great. But something happened up there. I was scared to death to leave. I found people that understood what I went through. So I'm sitting there in the tent, and my sister, Tanya's like, and I, I had a hard, and me and her are super close. I had a hard time talking to her. She's like, what's wrong, Justin? And I just started breaking down. I'm like, Tanya, please give me a bus ticket back up there. I said, I don't want to be out here no more. I just, I want to go up there. I said, they understand. I don't want to hurt people. And she's like, Justin, you can't keep on running. I said, I'm not. They just don't understand. And my sister's like, she knew, she goes, here, I'm going to give you $10. And there was a McDonald's in eyesight. This is 45 minutes since I've been, I was out. I went there. She's like, I went to receipt, Justin. I want every change. I went in there. I went to use the bathroom. And two people were shooting up. And I just started shaking it, and they ran out of the bathroom because they seen they didn't they seen me. A guy didn't make it fifty yards; he dropped over and died. And people walking over like his life didn't even matter, like because he had drugs. People didn't even make it a big deal. 
And any other time, I wouldn't have said nothing because I don't want my sister, you know, I'm thinking she's going to think I did it and stuff like that. I went and told her, and, you know, she really questioned me, and she's like, Justin, did that bother you? I said, a little bit. And uh, I started, my sister's like, I started to keep on working, but I still couldn't talk to people. And uh, it was in July. I went to this place called Kutztown, Pennsylvania. And I'm thinking, I'm not on God's plan. And my sister got sick that morning, and she's like, Justin, you got to open the tent, you got to sell. I said, I can't sell. I said, I can't talk. Only thing I kept on consistently doing was reading my Bible. She's like, you got to. So I'm so nervous opening this tent. And uh, if people are watching me, they're probably, I'm sitting there talking to God, thinking they're probably thinking I'm nuts. And I'm like, God, I know I'm not on your plan right now. You need to let me know what I need to do. And a lady walked in, and I didn't know nothing about these tables that I was selling. She goes, and I just knew how big they were and stuff like that and what wood they were made. And, and she looked at me, and she goes, this would be a great table for a Bible study. And that blew my mind. I'm like, ma'am, can, can you repeat what you just said? She goes, don't you think this would be a great table for a Bible study? I thought, okay, God, you got my attention. I, maybe this is right where I'm supposed to be. And I actually started making my sister money selling I got home, and me and my sister joke a lot, and I was up in the shower. I got out, and she goes, Justin, she goes, the cops are looking for you. And I started laughing. I said, I left that behind eight months ago, Tanya. She goes, no, I'm dead serious. So I called the cops. I'm like, hey, this is Justin McCann. I was up in Teen Challenge. I said, I heard you were looking for me. And they're like, yeah. I said, what are you looking for? You know, again, asking. I said, what do you need me for? And they said, well, I think you know. And I said, listen, all I'm asking you is not to come and arrest me in front of my little nephew. And I'm not running. I'll go anywhere you want. So I told him I'd meet him in Falls Creek. I walked up to the car, and they couldn't even believe it was me. I'm like, I'm here. And they're like, you could have kept on walking. We wouldn't even know that was you. So I got arrested. Uh, got thrown in Jefferson County Jail. It was a big drug bust. Huh? People I've used drugs with, I sold drugs with, I sold with, uh, they're all there. And the old Justin popped in and it scared me. I'm like, who, who narked on me? Who, you know, who's, who narked on me? I'm like, I'm mad, I'm mad. Then I, I took a deep breath. I thought, mad at who? You're the one to put yourself here. So I went there and the kid says, Justin, where you been all these months? I said, uh, I went up to Teen Challenge a rehab up there and he looked at me and said I bet this place I bet it makes you want to use again doesn't it I said no not at all I said actually I'm going to show you guys and I'm going to show the area what God can do when you're willing to let him use you uh my sister and them guys got me out of jail I went up to state college selling and uh I had a trial it was supposed to be in January uh, I had a public defender. I didn't have $10,000 for a lawyer. And I kept on saying, listen, I'm eight, nine months clean. Keep on telling them. I'm like, can I go? On, I don't put me on probation for 10 years. I'm not going to do nothing. And he's like, nope, nope. The DA said, you're not, you know, we're, he's not, like, they're not, no plea agreement. So come January, I went in there. 
first I was at a Bible study, and I walked up to my pastor, and I'm, I'm literally crying. I'm like, Pastor, I'm, I'm going to prison tomorrow. He looked me straight in the face. He said, Justin, people need to know about Jesus in prison, too. I'm like, this man's sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? When I went home, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I thought, Justin, God's took you this far. He's right. So the next day I went there, and I thought, if I'm going to prison, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And my public defender says, hey, sign guilty. I said, I'm not signing that paper. I said, put me in front of the judge. I said, let me do the talk. And he's like, Justin, you're not a lawyer. I said, I know I'm not a lawyer. I said, but if I'm going to prison, let me at least talk. And I walked in the courtroom, and I looked to the and there was a guy staring me. I left. I thought, man, this ain't good. This guy already looks mad at me, and I, I haven't even said a word. And he comes straight to me. He goes, what's your story? I said, sir, I said, not that I expect you to believe anything I said because I've lied for 35 years of my life. But I said, God's gave me a second chance of life. And I said, I'm going to show this area what you can do. And uh, he went back. He sat down. The judge walked up. And Mr. Burkett said, hey, we got our first contestant in Jefferson County drug court and uh, I got to know Jeff because I was looking at two to five upstate and the cool thing about it is I can say what I want in drug court so I gave these people what helped me I talked about God and what he's done in my life and you know Bible verses and stuff like that and what's nice about drug court they can't walk away they gotta listen to it (laughs) uh and I realized through this whole process, like people always think, especially drug addicts, and they think the cops are the bad guys and the judges are bad guys. I realized I was in my way the whole time. Mm. I've seen, I've met a lot of people through probation officers, through Mr. Burkett, that, that really want people to succeed. And uh, it's crazy how God works because. Uh, I knew Jeff Burke is just a DA. He's more family to me than DA. He showed me love. He's always helped me. And uh, we've got to speak places together. We got to talk. I've And it's crazy how my sobriety has changed. I've talked in prisons, schools, churches, and uh, I'll never forget, I was up in New York, and I know this place, these two people from Shippenville, but they have a place with troubled youth up in Tynesta. And I know them through boxing. I trained my son in boxing, and uh, they called me up when I was in New York, and they're like, hey, Justin, they went, I want you to come down here. We're going to make you a boss for working in the school. And I started laughing. I said, I don't work with kids. I work with addicts. I don't have the patience for kids. But they wouldn't take no for an answer. And I thought, you know what? I'll run with it for a while until I meet them. Then I'm I'm probably going to have to tell them I I can't do it. Mike and Debbie are very consistent. I mean, if they see something in you, they don't take no for an answer. So I went up there, and I ended up taking a job 
the job was very intimidating. You know, I got to work with kids who've been through addiction. It's been through a lot more than I've ever been through. After six months, I realized that's where God wanted me. We have 22 boys down there that count on me daily to be there. I love these kids more than anybody will know. Uh, I can relate to them. I can give them that hope. And we you know in the mornings we have Bible studies. We do the, almost like we do workforce. And it's crazy because, you know, God's put a whole working crew around me that it's not work. It's a ministry that I love daily. The hardest part of my job's just driving back and forth. Uh, it's crazy how God works because uh, my life has changed. Uh, I got remarried. And I have a wonderful little girl that just blows my mind. And people don't understand, like, and I don't tell many people this, but that day I was at the altar, I'm like, listen, if there's any chance I could have a little girl, please. I want to show her what a true man's supposed to be because I ruined eight years of my son's life that I'll never get back. And he, he did that for me. Hmm. So I live my life helping other people. I live my life honoring God. I live my life just trying to help people through addiction. People don't understand addiction, like Mike said, it impacts everybody. I look at addiction and, and uh, I used to always say poor me when I was an addict. Now I feel for the families more than I do for the addict. And People say, well, why? Well, the addict's drowning their issues and stuff out. A family has to watch someone die sober, the ones they love the most sober. It's a really good perspective, and I think uh, you've mentioned a lot of things, and there there are a couple things, right? It's it's summertime now; kids are out of school. This tends to be a time when children do some things. Even you talked about going to parties. Yes. Um, What do you say to children in the Dubois area today who maybe they are hurting, maybe they are angry, like we talked about, uh, real anger issues in society today? Um, what do you say to children over the summer about making r- really impactful decisions in their life? It can change in an instant. Well, I think a lot of us don't want to bring that hard subject up. Like a lot of people think, well, that can't be my kid. Right. And that's farthest from the truth. Uh, I lost a lot of good people. It had a lot of great fa- family. Mm. It can be your kid. And I look at people, it, and if you don't, bring awareness, it may be your kid. That's why, like, I'm very open about my story and about what drugs did. Uh, and we need to be open to kids at a younger age. Like, well, I don't want them to hear that. Well, they need to hear that. They need to hear what drugs do. And people, I feel like, turn a blind eye to addiction, thinking, well, it ain't affecting my family. And I talked to you about this before, Mike. I don't believe that everybody has either someone addicted in their family or at least knows someone that's addicted. Absolutely. Completely agree with you. And even we live in a small town, what people would say small town. I think everybody in Dubois knows somebody 
or knows of someone who's using or selling or whatever. And this is where, honestly, as a community and everything else, we need to fight this addiction together. Because, I mean, as little as, it's, it's crazy because God used me for that, that hope. And ever since I got sober, I've seen a handful of people get completely sober. I have so many people that went up to Teen Challenge. I have a best friend that his fiance died of addiction and he felt the guilt went down to Pittsburgh and they had to bring him back in Narcan. Mm. And I took him in for a little bit and uh, he's doing wonderful. He's got five years clean this August and uh, it's helping. It's telling people it's talking to people and it's not we got to stop pointing and start helping right and i think i think you make an excellent point there i i want to make it available to the community to reach out to contact you can reach out to sunny 106 and contact on connect fm to be able to get in touch with you if there are families children who need help today absolutely absolutely and uh I believe here in the real near future, there is going to be a, like, almost like a teen challenge, but uh, just, it's going to be a little bit better than teen challenge workforce, uh, where people are working a lot more, uh, you know, I mean, they're earning, because people don't understand, they lose that in addiction, they don't know how to work, they don't know how to do anything, you know, they'll get degrees and stuff, if they didn't finish school, they'll finish school, they'll, you know, I mean, all their fines will be paid off. Everything they get, and I just I believe that that this is going to happen real soon in our area, which would be extremely helpful to our community. I think uh, what you said earlier, you know, the city chief of police—they're all committed, but there's only so much they can do, and they're doing a lot to help our city and clean this up for sure. And our officers put their lives on the line to go into these very dangerous drug bust situations, and. Uh, I think Chief Clark, he has a special task force. They're doing everything they possibly can, but it's going to take the whole community to do this. Absolutely. Like, uh, they are doing what they can do, but, you know, I want all the drug dealers off the streets. Absolutely. Listen, if I knew a drug dealer, I'd be the first one to say, listen, go get them. Uh, but how are we helping the addicts? Right. How are we helping their families? You know I mean? Because let's be real no matter what we're going to have that it's just when people are addicted like me i traveled to pittsburgh to get it i did this you'll go to any terms to get high how are we helping them the people that need it not and people don't understand it. they're like well that's a choice but do you realize once you're in addiction you hate yourself more than anybody else could hate you nobody could hate me more than i hated myself i just couldn't get out and we gotta we gotta find something that we can help these people, like people in jail, even in jail. What are we doing when people even get out of jail? That's a great point, and I've had conversations with some elected officials. It seems like we send people to jail for drugs, they come back out still on drugs, going back. It's a very oh, it's, it's a cycle that's not helping, and we probably have to look at it longer. I would say this: uh, one thing we didn't note is like. Uh, you were talking about your story. It is uh, 
just a story of redemption of how you're friends with the DA of Jefferson County, Jeff Burkett, right? Yes. You go, you actually go on vacation with him now. That's yes, not like I a do. normal. That's not. <laughs> no, like that's, a, listen, that's not I, a normal story. I tell people if you don't believe in God, who puts a DA and a drug addict together and works? Right. But he's it, that's that's not Jeff Burkett. That's Jesus. Right. And so, I kind of want to wrap this up, but what? What do you want to leave us with? What uh, what message do you want to give uh, the community? I know w- one for sure that you definitely focus on, and that is if you are using drugs today, yes, it's true, your life is in a bad place, but there is hope. You can turn your life around today. Well, I think as a, as a community and everything else, uh, we got to work on transition. People it's coming out, people that really want help, what are we doing? Uh, it takes people of all kinds we got to back these people up uh we find them jobs we find them places to do there's no transition like i've seen even the kids we have do phenomenal but if you're going back to that same environment you don't have a chance right so what are we doing like for me they would be going as me they'd be going to bible studies they'd be going to meetings they would be going doing stuff like that but we need the support of our local community, our local churches, everybody to back us up. I mean, we've all been affected. Instead of just turning turning our head and thinking, well, that's not me. But it can be. If we're truly about changing lives, let's do this together. It's, it's not a one-man team. It takes the whole community to help. And it is going to take the whole community. Uh, Justin Buchanan? <laughs> An emotional story, but we're grateful for you coming on and sharing with the community about what it what it really takes to overcome such a such a deep and serious issue that was affecting your life. And you're sharing your story. You're helping our community. We're a better community because you share your story. So we thank you for coming on Contact on Connect FM today. And we'll definitely uh, we're going to continue. Uh, what I would call a series and looking at our drug situation and what we can do, but a very powerful story. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, this was unique in that we continued on, but we want to get you back to our regular scheduled programs. But uh, we do thank Justin uh, Buchanan and his story. And again, if you need help, please reach out to us and we'll connect you with Justin about uh, getting your life back on track. And thank you again, Justin. And we look forward to continuing the series with you on contact on Connect FM.